0: It's Connie Jones again, and I'm excited to bring you another episode of the Warrior Arise podcast, where we will hear from fellow warriors, their stories of how they went from struggling, striving, and surviving to thriving in a passion-filled and purpose-centered life. It's time to break free from what's keeping you in bondage and struggle so you can live and lead bravely, freely, and authentically in your destiny. Let's get started. Everybody to another episode of the Warrior Arise podcast. I'm your host, Connie Jones, and we have today with us a um a divorce expert of all things, a um a Paulette Rigo. And Paulette is the founder of Better Divorce Academy, and she breaks down divorce from the earliest stages of contemplation to the necessary final steps of healing, using practical tools, inspiration, and a proven mediation and negotiation model. So we are in for lots of wisdom and lots of experience today from her. Her specialty is working with clients in high conflict, narcissistic abuse divorces. Um, she saves an, an average of forty five to sixty five thousand in legal fees for her clients. And she does and, and saves her clients eight to 22 months in court and a ton of heartache and bad decisions. Um, her commitment in creating an optimal divorce experience for every family member, particularly the children, is her life's work. And you'll hear her passion in just a moment for this work. Uh, drawing on her 35 years of experience, Paulette is a pioneer in the world of wellness and transformation as she brings strength and breath to her ability to help her clients heal. Better Divorce Academy is an organization dedicated to helping create a better story for everyone involved, no matter what the conflict. So Paula is a best-selling author, too, of Better Divorce Blueprints. She's host of the Thriving in Chaos Project podcast and co-creator of How to Divorce a Narcissist, Divorce and Mediation Consultant, Educator, Speaker with a Passion for Attacking Challenging Relationship, Marriage and Divorce Positions. As a credentialed mediator and certified divorce coach, Paulette specializes in mediating and coaching women through high conflict, domestic violence, parental alienation, estrangement, and narcissistic divorce cases. Welcome, Paulette, to the Warrior Rise podcast. We're happy to have you. Thank you, Connie. It's always uh, surreal to listen to people talk about what I do. Uh,
1: I know. Listen to yourself. Who is that person and what is her
0: problem? Why would she want to do that? Right. You are a pretty powerful person. And yes. So what makes one answer your own question? What makes you want to do that? And, 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 and needless to say, it's very, I'm sure, very rewarding work, but that is hard work. Gracious. So yeah, yeah.
1: I, it, it, you know, it has its moments, Connie. I I do have to say there are those fleeting moments where um, people catch me off guard and and they you know share with me their the results that they're getting, the money they're saving. The, the children avoiding a lot of trauma, uh, the time, and I could make a long list of what could happen. And not to say that it's a smooth sailing. I mean, you still have to go through a lot of the emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical aspects of a marriage and the decision of, of, of breaking that up. Uh, for many reasons. And on the other hand, there's the judicial, legal, financial, residential, lending, insurance, taxes. You know, it's a it's a big spreadsheet. So those two worlds are very different, but the entire process is, is multidimensional. And you really do need to understand what's going on. We don't understand that when one party uh, or both uh, does make the decision to divorce and they engage in the decision to file what's known either as a petition or a complaint, that you're now entering into a lawsuit. People don't realize that divorce is a lawsuit when you litigate. Uh, So immediately, one person is the plaintiff and one is the defendant. And all of a sudden, there's this adversarial energy that enters the relationship uh, not only on paper, when you read it, you know, you're like, holy moly, did I just read that I'm the defendant, like, or that like, what, you know, you suddenly feel like you've just murdered someone or. It, it's a it's a tough thing right but it is a lawsuit so um that is an interesting dynamic just to swallow up anyway but there are those moments where people share with me what they have been able to avoid right they they were able to avoid that so my why and why i do this and I was very happy living my very different life before I entered into this world uh, okay. I, I did not wake up at the age of seven and go I want to be a family law mediator and a divorce coach and consultant about all things divorce like mm, they probably would have put me in a white jacket and tied the, the knot around my back right I think it's around your back yes right? this you're 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 a, yeah. You're,
0: yeah. You're a, you're a Glutton for punishment, per se, because it does. It it is so. It's so pervasive in every area. It is life shifting and life transforming on all levels. And to hear you say that it's a lawsuit, that is a huge. You know, we know that, but like we don't, we don't live in the reality of that. We don't. We don't let ourselves feel the the reality of that when we're going through it and when we're you know um it's it's devastating enough to have your family and your the marriage that you came into you know however many years before where you had the greatest intentions and it was built on the most beautiful thing to be devastating and then to be in the middle of a lawsuit too you just i mean that's an incredible point and and i didn't mean to interrupt you but it's just so true so finish what you were saying
1: no, I mean, we, we don't have a course in 10th grade, 11th grade. That's probably when it should be taught maybe younger on parenting, on marriage, on divorce, on all of those relational things. You know, they've got sex ed, but they don't have marriage ed. You know, I mean, something's wrong with that, but that's just my opinion. Call me crazy. Um, But would, how amazing and transformational would it be if you know, 14, 15, 16 year olds were educated on what it means to be married legally. It is a legal binding contract. And the only way to end that legal binding contract is with yet another legal binding contract. Hence why they need to understand there's a door that lets you in that world, but there's also a door that leave that only lets you leave it, um, you know, and and then. The times are changing, you know. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, with a Catholic upbringing. Very, my parents would we we just did not discuss that, like it, the, the D word. You know, it was like, ugh. you know, I mean, I remember being a sarcastic teenager one day, and my parents were fighting, and I remember, you know, saying like, "Why don't you two just get divorced?" You know, like all teenagers probably have said that to their parents when they hear them fighting, right? And you would have thought I told my parents that, I don't know, snakes were coming out of their eyes or something. They would just like looked at me like I was, you know, Satan and like, go to your room, young lady kind of thing. And I, I do remember they're both passed away. So I can say this, but my dad said something like, we don't believe in divorce. And my mother said, oh, no, I married your father for good, you know, good and bad. So and and I honor that. I mean, I don't think anyone falls in love and, and gets engaged and walks down the aisle uh, in a white dress or a black tuxedo. You know, I mean, who is walking where these days? We don't know. but it's a matter of just and are you on the beach? Are you in a church? Are you uh, you know, people get married by justice of the peace. It could be a minister, a priest, a rabbi. But whatever that sanctity is, you go into it with the intention of I'm going to make this work. I love with this person. This is a commitment. And then, well, life happens. And sometimes things don't always work out the way we think or believe or desire because, well, that's just the way life happens sometimes. And I don't believe that anybody really feels like it is um, their intention to throw in the towel and just, you know, oh, well, that didn't work and move on. We normally, as humans do, give it our all and put in our our blood, sweat and tears and do the best we can. Um, But with that said, when divorce does come up, and by the way, last year in the United States, there were 2.4 million divorces. That is one every 13 seconds. Uh, and that's a 43% increase in the United States in 2020. We don't have the numbers in for 2021 yet, but it doesn't look like they're going to be much better. There's an estimated 2 or 3% increase anticipated now i know that that's a hard number to swallow right and it in it divorce by the way affects every demographics young old tall short tiny big rich you know poor, like I, I i'm being simplistic but you know whether you're pink green purple like no one rich, is immune doesn't matter there is no vaccine for divorce and there won't ever be so those people that get like righteous in the sense of it'll never happen to me watch what be careful um so and the more you hang out with a divorce coach the more likely your your marriage is to be strong so you really it really true you want to know why a marriage works why divorce may be in your uh history or in your path forward. And what you can do to save the marriage, there are many things I'm I'm actually proud to say I've saved a few marriages, So, but it does take two to tango. Now, 97% of divorce cases do manage to stay out of trial. That's pretty good, right, Connie? 97%, but the 3% that do go to trial, 1% of that 3% end up in the appellate court process because one or both parties feels like something went wrong and the judge did not make a wise or appropriate decision. So the only choice they have in a litigated case is to file an appeal. Now, unfortunately, that was me. I experienced the 1% that 99% of divorce divorcing couples never experience. I didn't even know that a divorce could be appealed. And I didn't actually know that a divorce could actually go to a trial um, with uh, all of that entails. So now family court is different than civil court. So don't mean to have this be a law lecture. And I'm not an attorney, although many say I should be. Um, I have my PhD in divorce, not the law, but in divorce. So it's different, right? So because of that personal experience. I had an eight and a half year case that took place over uh, the trial itself was in the eight and a half years. It was a 12 day trial that took place over nine months. Of course, there was um, years of preparation with all of the filings, discovery, interrogatories, business evaluations, GALs, private investigators, confidentiality agreements, you name it. It was... Now, after that preparation and the pretrial and the trial, again, that took nine months for a 12-day trial. I assumed if you had a 12-day trial, it would be through Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, and Monday Tuesday, right? Wrong. Yep. So, and then after that, the judge takes their time to deliberate, look at all the evidence, and there were boxes of it to make their decision. And you, you just sit back, take a deep breath, and learn to be patient, persistent, and uh, persevere. Now they make their decision, you're announced. And then there was a four-year appellate court process. My case became pretty well known. And many people reached out to me and said, I heard about your case. I can't believe you're going through this. Can you help me? Either my husband or wife is contemplating divorce, or I've just been filed, or I've been thinking about it. And at first I wanted to hang up the phone and this is pre-social media, you know, like the early days of it when, when, when the iPhone just came out in 2007 and it really wasn't quite the smartphone that it is now. So it, it wasn't quite the, um, if you, if you word didn't spread quite as fast as it is now, of course. So uh, Instagram was just for photographs. If you remember what back in the is right, and and I think it was uh, you know Facebook was basically to tell your family members you were going to the dentist that afternoon. It it was right, the social phenomenon, but word did spread um, during this period, and many people again reached out to me via phone, text, email. My doorbell rang, uh, and being who I am, uh, I said sure. I made a lot of coffee, poured a little wine, not at the same time, and listened to a lot of stories to see how I could best support. I took notes with permission um, and then eventually called my attorney and said, should I go to law school? So uh, he laughed. a Boston attorney, uh, big guy, BC, Triple Eagle, as it's called, Boston College High School, Boston College and Boston College Law School. And uh, he said, you know, Paulette, in his Boston accent, you'd be one hell of a litigator. (laughs) So... (laughs) If you know anyone from Boston or Marky Mark, you might know what I'm talking about. So you know, if you don't, then just go watch some Boston movie. You'll be like, oh, now I know what she's talking about. So so uh, yep. we laughed. We get to know each other pretty well after eight and a half years, and uh, he said, no, but you really should consider becoming a divorce consultant, a divorce coach, and a mediator because you have such a breadth and a depth of, of knowledge about the process. Understanding DIY, two forms of mediation, a collaborative law, arbitration, and the litigation process, as well is what it means to go to trial and what is an appellant process even look like. So because of that, uh, it led me to do a lot of research, education, training, internships, mentoring, uh, and found Better Divorce Academy uh, and leading to releasing Better Divorce Blueprint last year. So that is pretty much why I got thrown into this world. Um, I do mediate quite a bit, and I also really love... Leading, quarterbacking, educating, and being that person that you wish was with you by your side every step of the way. I always say of my clients, just I'm in your phone in your back pocket. Like I'm always there with you. I, if I could, I'd get divorced for you, but that's not legal. So I can't do that. But it's the next thing to have somebody there that knows the The journey um, again. Don't give legal advice. I'm not an attorney, so I don't say, "Well, you're legally entitled to blank." You know, we we don't go down that path. But everything else, and also creating the right team of professionals. Some people need uh, different experts based on their particular situation, and a lot of that has to do with how long have you been married? Are there children? Do you own a business together? What are the assets and debts that you may have? And the personality of your spouse too. Every case needs a different array of experts that they need to get them through it.
0: Oh yeah, because like I said, it is. Well, I mean, like, and you've said also that it is pervasive. It is. There is no area of life that it does not impact. Um, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial. Um, I mean, it, 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 every, parental everything. Every area it is it turns life upside down and so let's let's talk for just a second I, I you know I'm all about going to the heart of of the matter and so I want to come back to the um you know the the specifics of you know of what people go through and how they um how you help them through it but I want to hear just a little bit about like what were the hardest parts for you emotionally, internally, like when you were going through, you, you had, you had the worst of the worst, because it sounds like you were, you had all of the, um, you know, the, the worst possible case scenario legally on top of, uh, the timing of it, the financial strain of it on top of the emotional strain of it. And so share with us and, you know, I mean, whatever details you, we're, we're not about the details. It's not, you know, it's not gossip per se. I don't want to, but I, I do want to, I want to hear your heart and your story about what, you know, what was that like for you going through that? And how did you get through the, the, the long drawn out and just horrible experience of
1: that? What got you through well, I know I know we don't have nine hours, but maybe we, we do an extended version of like what it's like to walk through the divorce journey. There's a few highlights or lowlights, as we may want to call them. I know that sounds like you're getting your hair done, women, but let's just, you know, use that analogy, right? So the darker side, the lighter side. And so initially, and much of that depends on whether you are the person that is creating the, the conversation and it's coming from you or your spouse is the one that is saying, Hmm. I think we need to go to counseling. Hmm, I think we need to talk or God forbid. And no, you know, say uh, I filed for divorce, you know, they like the bomb is dropped on you. So that really does depend. Are you the one that is, you know, contemplating and initiating it or the other? Now, very rarely, although I have to say there are a few instances in in my work where I have seen both parties similarly uh, on the same page, you know they've been staying together for the children. They, which is an epidemic, and then a whole nother podcast. You're exactly
0: right, and and in right? my office we see that a a lot.
1: Very yes. true, particularly when we feel a sense of obligation and guilt and responsibility to make sure that you know, well, we've got to stay together for the children, and and I hear that phrase, oh, "I should be a bumper sticker, I've got to stay together for children," and yeah, it is, it is America's epidemic. So. Um, now, it's not always bad to do that. It's not always good to do that. Every case is individual, and I don't want to touch on that topic late later. Maybe we could, but but because of that, so you do see that sense. But now, where is the 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 angst coming from? right? So there are seven types of abuse, uh, sexual and physical are the two that get the press. But it is the psychological, mental, emotional that gets swept under the rug a little more. And then the financial, number six and spiritual number seven, when you feel like you're being broken, your spirit is really just being broken. Like we, you know, a train, a housebreak a puppy. So it doesn't pee on the floor. You know, you feel broken. Um, not that we want to break the puppy, but we want to break them up the habit right so that's what it does so not everybody has all seven some people don't have any it's just a matter of them saying we are no longer living congruently now depending on where you are in that continuum, if it's really coming from you, the most difficult thing is the burden of the it's the responsibility of am I making the right decision right so for me it was this oh heavy it felt like like, boulders just on my back and my shoulders of like the, the, the too little, there was a person on this side and a person on this side sitting on my shoulders. Like you can't do that. Yes, you have to do that. No, you can't do that. It's like, shut up. Both of you, leave me alone. And and this went on for a long time, you know, counseling, therapy, studying, self-help, yoga, meditation, you name it. Like you will do anything to avoid this conversation with yourself, let alone anyone else. So 70% of divorce is filed by women. And the average amount of time that woman or all women internally have a conversation with themselves before they tell anyone is two years So those two, that's the average amount of time, Connie, right? So two years of living in this internal conflict, no wonder wonder people go shopping a lot and, and drink too much and, you know, do stupid things to just avoid and escape that very difficult thing. Once they've told one person, hopefully it's someone like me that they can understand and process and get the right advice. Uh, and again, I'm not pro-divorce. I'm actually remarried. You've met my husband. And, and I believe in marriage as a, a sanctity, as a, as a a life. It's, it's a beautiful thing when it works, but it's not such a beautiful thing when it doesn't. It's very painful. Um, and I'm not pro-litigation and pro-divorce and all those things. So Uh, Happy to say, you know, there have been some marriages that were worthy of of definitely saving. So once that decision is made, there's a sense of relief. Um, Not all, but a sense of like, I can breathe again once they've told somebody that is trustworthy, right? Mitigating outside influence is tricky. Be careful who you share this delicate, it's like porcelain. You have to really nurture and, and like put bubble wrap on it and keep it, you know, close to your heart. It isn't something you just throw out now, just like the fresh teenager said to my parents, why don't you just get divorced? Like, okay, that's a teenager thing. But how many parents, excuse me, uh, spouses, at the at the inappropriate time, way maybe they were tired or angry, um, whatever reason, threatened or throughout, oh why don't we just get divorced, right?
0: Or I'm gonna divorce you. Divorce you, right? Yeah. So we just we just don't need to be together. This isn't working. Yes. This isn't
1: working. Why don't you just go your way? We'll just get divorced. That'll solve everything. And 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 you be careful. Like once you plant that seed, a tree grows. It isn't always tree you know don't don't expect you know a magnolia to grow in the front yard just but if something is going to grow and it will get watered whether you like it or not now we are human we have our moments and sarcasm and you know off-color jokes are part of being human and every now we can be fresh and sarcastic and be like oh yeah you know like but be it is a very delicate word to throw around there when you're when you're threatening a little bit, right? So that can also be hard is when you're told that. Now, some of that could just be a coping mechanism. There are five stages of grieving and they're in the book. And if you want to Google them, I'm sure you've taught them. But first of all, is denial. Like this isn't happening to me. And, you know, sadness and anger, negotiation and finally acceptance. So that really has a lot to do with that. Now, once that decision is made, um, the burden of... How do we still communicate in a manner that is appropriate, um, not adversarial, but still amicable enough to facilitate an outcome that is of both parties' interest so that we can both start to recreate the next chapter of our lives that we deserve and desire without being truly mean, rude, disrespectful Fill in the blank, the long list. Right? Yeah, disruptive. Right. to the character. Now, if you have children, this is even particularly more important because, well, you've got to raise kids together. And with high conflict people, they don't really care. They will drag their spouse through hell, despite what it's going to do to the children, just to get back at them because they want to be in control. How dare you do this to me? There's a lot of anger and resentment. And pride those goals, pride, ego, sure. Attach to the identification. The other thing that was difficult for me is it changed who I was as a person of my identity. I no longer felt who I didn't know who I was. It was like, cause all my life I'd grown up as Well, we're, we're immediately, you know, labeled as daughter or son, you know, because we are born and now we're suddenly, and then we're either a sister or a brother or, you know, we've got all those familial labels, but then you get married and you're now, well, you're also, you know, student or whatever your career is. You've got those attachments, right? But now marriage... You're now a wife and a husband and you're no longer, you can't identify with that anymore. You're like, well, if I'm not a wife or a husband, what am I? And it's very confusing to so many people and the pain of losing that identification or in many ways attachment, which isn't so healthy, right? We wanna
0: identify with something without feeling like it is who we are. We want to identify with, but not allow it to become our identity. Yes, we typically do. We,
1: especially when you're young, you're like, oh, "I'm now a wife and a husband." You know, like you know, young couples even say, "Hello, wife. Hello, husband." It's like it's it's kind of strange. And then if something were to happen, then of course you become a parent, and you're a parent or a mother and a father. And then that dynamic changes, and uh, your your loss of identity can be devastating and difficult for many people to reestablish that of self right of of yeah. a self we're no longer our list of things we think we are sister daughter mother aunt cousin blah 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 blah. we are truly a spirit and, a, and an entity of of who we are as a as a soul as a being and not right. our labels of of well college graduate and you know you know, that kind of stuff. And those things are fleeting. Um, just like gray hair and wrinkles, like, you know, they, they come and we don't want to attach ourselves to our youth and our, our whatever, because well, they change. So that can be a very devastating thing. And the greatest fear is the fear of change. Divorce is another word for change nothing in your life will be the same. I'm not saying it will be worse. I'm not necessarily saying it will be better overall. Like it's a, some things might be much better. Some things might feel better. So It's like a a echocardiogram, you know, It, it, it changes. And as you start to identify yourself now as being separated or going through that change, it's all of a sudden, the fear of change is the biggest roadblock and barrier boundary that people feel contained by in the sense that they know that change is coming, but most people don't like change. Uh, it's it's something that many people resist. Even yeah. when they renovate their home, uh, you know, it's still like, well, I don't know, that's kind of different. You know, they get they get a new car, but they get the same kind of car or they, you know, when they get their dog passes away. And what do they do? They get the same kind of dog, you know, or it's like there's so much habituation and imprints and patterns ingrained in us like memories. It's like a tattoo. Like it's just like, like, you know, sandpaper. It's like it's you feel it. It's a texture and you feel it. Right. And that's really hard for people to step out of the a whole new life. It's like an exfoliation of the soul of, wow, my whole identity is different. Some people embrace that and thrive on it. Um, Eventually everybody does, Uh, but it'll take a day and other people a long
0: time. Absolutely. Yeah. And everybody's journey is different. And well, and everybody's story and experiences are different and their wounds are different. And you know, and so there are so many variables and it is so important to have somebody to help you maneuver through all of those struggles and, 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 um, complexities, you know, that, that we go through. And well, so what do you, um, what do you see? like what have you been able to like I guess what are the most the the most rewarding moments for you when you're able to help people um really thrive in spite of the pain and the struggle and the the heartache and the like, do you, or do any stories come to mind do you have any instances i'm sure you have tons of them <laughs> yes so so many um i did want to just wrap up one
1: point from our previous one is that don't think that just because someone else you know has gone through a divorce that yours will be the same or similar if if this is a road you may have to consider um they may have had a, a different A case or situation, there are as many divorces or there are cells in your body. So it it will be unique. And the advice that you get from a family member or a, a coworker or a friend, a neighbor, listen, say thank you for sharing and let it go right? Be appreciative that they care and that they're empathetic and they really do want the best for you. But for you to start applying all this various random knowledge that it doesn't apply to your situation is not going to be uh, wise. It would be detrimental.
0: So just wanted to caveat that. And that's so important because that's the first thing that we do is we compare and we and we And we want to relate to someone and we want to, you know, it's that whole thing of not liking change. We don't want to experience the unknown and we want to be able to control the outcome. And so we want to be able to know what's coming next and want to be able to have some sense of power over that. And we have to realize in this in this situation, we really don't. We can do a we can do a lot walking through it with someone who knows what they're doing and can help guide us through with, with sound knowledge and great wisdom and, um, you know, and lots of experience, but still every situation is different. I'm so, so glad you finished that point because that's a big one. And then what do we do with all of that? um, You know, the advice that we get from places that, you know, and, and they may, they may have been through it on their own and have, you know, wisdom to share, but it may not apply to your specific case. And so that's a great point. There are many couples that, yeah, why, if you're married a
1: short period of time, you do not have children um, and you have very few assets and debt, that student loan, all that, then, yes, you just go march yourself down to the courthouse together uh, hold hands, fill out the complaint. Uh, it is a filing and you pay your $150 ish. It's always a little different based on your County and where you are a uh, fee. And within 30 to 60 days, once you fill out your domestic relations, financial affidavit, which might take you three and a half minutes. If you've been divorced very short period of time and don't have a lot of assets. Um, and you've declared to the courts that this is true. It's, you know, we are swearing that we're not making this up. Um, that you can do it by yourself for under two hundred bucks. You know, I could think of, uh, but you know, there are those cases that do need to litigate. Maybe not as crazy as mine. I'm. There are many times when you need the expert knowledge and wisdom of a family law attorney. Don't work with anyone that does not have family law attorney before their name. And if you do need to go to a trial, you must have an attorney that has litigant Experience. They must know litigation. They must have trial experience. They must know how to cross examination. They really must know their way around what that looks like. You can't just pull somebody fresh out of law school that, you know, passed the bar is like, yeah, I'm a lawyer, I can do it maybe they can give you a little guidance and counseling at law, but I wouldn't work with them. Let them do their time. You don't want to be their guinea pig. So, but um, mediation, there are two ways of doing it. You can do it with or without a, attorneys present. You're always going to want an attorney to look over the documents and to advise you and and to file them. But you do not need to hire someone to sit there the entire time and pay them an hourly rate if the mediator is facilitating a conversation where both of them can come to the table in good faith. they do have to be transparent, then they can go back and review with counsel to say, yes, this isn't no oh, this looks good or mm, there's a couple things here that might need a little bit of addressing or finesse or or um, uh, you know, changing, altering editing. Um, uh, collaborative law is a whole nother conversation and arbitration is really for the people that just want to stay out of the public eye, um, celebrities, politicians that want to arbitrate. The thing about arbitration is it's not appealable. So some people don't like that, whereas litigation is. So depending on where they are, um, it's going to look a different way. But as far as success stories, my goodness, you know, there's a couple that come to mind in the sense of the condition in which they were when they came to me. Um yeah. On the phone, mascara, crying. I could, I could not see it, but I could feel it. You know, I'm meeting them in a coffee shop. Probably an hour or two later. Um, probably 99 of all I did was listen um, and let them know they were going to be okay. But it, it was just an absolute disaster, trauma filled from end to end. And to see where they are now, Connie, just. It's like, I don't recognize them. The, 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 the posture, shoulders back, chin up tall, spine straight, you know, they've lost weight. They're, you know, not not to saying that, you know, everyone gets divorced, but they just, they're better. You know, they feel better. They're taking care of themselves. They're prioritizing
0: what they need they've reconnected to their values and their voice really is what that's what I see so often like what you're talking about is they lose themselves and I'm not saying that in marriage we lose ourselves and that marriage is 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 inherently you know bad or evil because of that that's not what I'm saying but what I am saying is that in so many marriages men and women both lose themselves and that doesn't mean get divorced what that means is I would hope that within the marriage they can rediscover their self themselves without having to go that route but so many times their the conditions are not such or the willingness is not there to be able to do so and so they have to make that tough decision on at some level and move out of the marriage and when they do then they they can find themselves again and that it's so it is a that is a a beautiful thing to see when somebody recovers who they are you know and again my hope is that people can do that within the marriage because it's that whole you know there's that there it that's that whole um conundrum of a becoming one with your spouse yet is that slippery slope that fine line of becoming one and you know being submissive and being respectful and being both on the, both sides, I mean, and being um, um you know, a partner and surrendering to each other, however, at the same time re uh, um retaining your own sense of self. and that's a that's a fine line and a hard thing to do in marriage. and that's what we see in our office so much is you know, helping people do that, um helping people not lose themselves and regain themselves and be able to do that within the marriage or if they've got to outside of the marriage, you know, um, whichever it, but, but it's, it's such an important piece. And so I love hearing that when you, um, and finish what you were saying. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, uh, it's all congruent. Um, much of the time that happens as you just
1: you know eloquently displayed is when we come into a, a relationship even if it's dating or an engagement and you know, were young we are just learning to discover who the heck we are right? many times like, we don't know i mean you know especially if you're 18 to 30 right and you're, you're like so we, we but you know We think we know who we are because, well, we want to be competent and independent and we want to be wise and we don't want to, you know, believe that we're young and naive. We want to we really want to step into our power and and many people do. So this but you you then get come into a relationship or maybe several, you know, I mean, it's uh, I was 17 when I met my husband, 22, 23. It was the summer I got turned 23, got married, and I didn't know who the heck I was. I mean, Seriously, Connie, there's got to be some sort of guidelines about getting married as some like really people, but that's just my point of view. Well, so. I,
0: I'm all for I'm all I'm with you 100 percent on the class understanding. We, I, need, to be, we mean, need to be teaching emotional intelligence. We need to be teaching about relationships guess, and con- conflict yeah. resolution and communication in school and fi- personal finance. I totally agree. If I just <laughs> if I could spend an hour with every teenager
1: in the country, oh I bet the divorce rate would go right down. But my next life. Now we get in a marriage or engagement in our relationship. And by then we start to change our identity of who we think we are based on the fact that we are now a spouse. We are now a wife and a husband. And eventually, well, most of the time, those little children come along and now we are parents. And in this road, it in a journey, we have lose touch with that fifth, that four-year-old, that eight-year-old, that twelve-year-old, that 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 what made you tick, and what made you light up, and what made you love life, and and the food you liked, and the colors you liked, and the music you liked, and just all of your passions and and you know purpose, um, you know, kind of gets grayed down. It gets like well, you know. We play small in that and because we want to be respectful and humble and kind and authentic and transparent and all of those other benevolent qualities, right? But now all of a sudden, you know, the children are how old and we look at each other and we go, Who the hell are you? (laughs) Not only do we not know who each other are, we don't even know who we are. So if the marriage is struggling because of identity, of career, and just all of those other things that, that just are mushy, you know, try not to run for the divorce attorney as a solution. Um, and also, it, be careful who you go to in therapy or counseling. If they're not of the mindset of understanding the dynamics of conflict and conflict resolution, like a mediator, then it's, I don't want it to just be fluff. Like, you know, write a list of all the things you don't like about each other, you like, and then it, like we want it to be. It's got to be purposeful counseling and therapy, all of that matter, but it's got to be proactive to bring the couple back to a place of solid identification as individuals and solid individuals coming together as a a group entity in a marriage. I adore my husband, but I don't like all the music he likes, but I don't degrade it, you know? Uh, You know, there are those things you have to cherish and honor about each other that are different. Um, It just makes it stronger. But what happens is years and years of silence and codependency and people pleasing and mystery and control and secrecy and all those other really negative things start to tear down the bricks of the walls. And before you know it, you just have a pile and there is no solidity or foundation in which to build a solid relationship. And usually by then there's been some checking out and misbehavior and, you know, I could make a long list of all what that like so and that and that's not always bad you know many marriages i think it's something like 70% of marriages can heal from some form of you know, inappropriate behavior, if both parties are willing to acknowledge it and address it and do something to change it. But it
0: takes both parties. It absolutely is. And that's where also really good therapists who are conflict and communication specialists, because we have some of those at our office who have 20 years or more of experience in that, who are productive and they're not just Bringing people to into let them continue arguments, then never get anywhere. They get true transformation, and there are those therapists out there. Who, but those therapists also know when to turn it over to a mediator. And they also know when to to say the hard things and to say, okay, this requires more than I can. You know, this is beyond my level of conflict resolution. And, and just like know, myself,
1: I'm not a licensed clinical social. I am not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and all the other acronyms after counselors' names. And there's like 40 of them. So do I know some? Hell yes, right? Some really good ones. So, but they also know like, yeah, you need someone like what Paulette does. So it is, it's is—it's important that you work with the right professional for the right purpose. It's like going to get a root canal from a heart surgeon. You know, they're, they're all in the medical field, but um, I wouldn't want to, you know, have a baby delivery. Delivered by um, I don't know, and on yeah, I mean unless it's an emergency and a taxi cab or something, right? But you want to go to the right professional for the right thing. And it's very important. And just because somebody has attorney at
0: law on their door doesn't mean they know a darn thing about family law. Right. So what would you encourage people to do in a long cause I'm, you know, you're sitting as running a council or owning a counseling practice. Um, even though, you know, and I've done tons of work, or, you know, around that in all kinds of high conflict divorces, um, all kinds of, um, you know, um, um, custody ish, custody battles in court, um, all kinds of even, you know, to the point of working with people through mediation and life coaching and helping people move into the, you know, that transitional phase and recover themselves. And, you know, and now the therapists and the coaches at, at our office do that same thing. And then, you know, and how do people know what, you know, and then there are tons of different attorneys and you've already said they need to have family law in front of their name in order to, you know, they need to be really specialized. Um, how do people know when they need a therapist versus when they need a certified divorce coach or when they might need both or when, you know, like, how do we know? It's a beautiful
1: question, and it, the, I can sum it up with one word, education. Now, you need to know what a therapist does, how they're trained, why they're trained, what they do, what they don't do. You also need to know what a mediator is. I, I'm actually both. I'm a, I am ai actually have three roles. I'm a certified divorce coach, which is a little bit like having a, I don't know, a BFF and somebody get divorced with you. Like it's somebody who knows what they're doing, get divorced with you. Not just, you know, any person you, pick. you know, met at the not have been there. Right. Store, you know, Um, like, oh, I'll help you. Um, I'm also a, a corporate mediation um, and divorce coach consultant for HR departments of corporations that give mental health benefits to their clients as employee executive benefits. So I help them with develop their services, training and products. Um, but I'm also a credentialed mediator. So people come to me because of what I do and why I do it for a solution. They're looking for a solution. They don't just come to me to, to I don't know, spend time and waste money they come to, which i don't let them do i'm very proactive but they come to me for education resources tools knowledge methods connections resources uh, it's a really understand what are the methods of divorce and and how do i do that because once you're educated but going back to why we, why do we not teach this in school right um, right we need knowledge and once you have knowledge it becomes wisdom And once you have that, your fear goes down and it's like you now have a a map. Uh, That's why I actually wrote Better Divorce Blueprint, because you need a map or a blueprint. Why would you ever think about, well, I hope you wouldn't or anybody, consider building a house without a blueprint, right? You need to know... Well, how thick are the walls and where are the, where are the studs and where's the electrical and the plumbing? Oh, and before all that, we've got to survey the land and you got to put the foundation in. Is there a basement? Isn't there a basement? You know, what kind of windows? You know, I'm, I'm sounding like a, an architect and a, my husband used to be in the, in the trade. So I probably know more about that than I wish I did, but you need to know what, what to do. And there isn't one. And I, I, so chapters one, two and three are before everything you need to know before you even think about doing anything. You got to know it. It's got to be in you. And if you don't use it, that's okay. Amen. Right. But you might have a friend or maybe it'll be one of your children someday. Maybe it'll be a, a dear friend or a loved one that comes to you and you'll say, have I got a book for you? And then chapters four, five, and six are during you know, getting through it, how to tell the children, mitigating the, working with all those professionals and knowing which ones and what's it like to go to court? What do you wear? What don't you wear? What do you say? What don't you say? All of those things that they don't teach you. And then seven and eight are after. Do I change my name? What if I do? How do I do that? What is dating like? How do I secure my financial future? Uh, Should I move and sell the house? And If I lose child support and alimony, how am I going to support myself? Do I start a career? Do I have to work on my resume? Like there's a lot of stuff to do just because you walk out of the courtroom with your pretty little piece of paper doesn't mean you're done. There's also enforcement and compliance and many other things you need to understand. So that's really what it comes down to knowing the right professional when to go to someone like Connie, because I don't do what you do, but I and I knew you don't do what I do. So, and, and yeah, I wouldn't dare start. I mean, there, there are times I'll touch on like, this is what I think is the next step. And this is what you should work with. know, particularly when it comes to uh, therapy, diagnosis, medication, all of those types of things, anxiety, depression, fear, and um, uh, children too, with them, um, pediatric and and children, juvenile issues, too. We also have to deal with special needs, too. A very large percentage of couples with special needs uh, end in divorce. It's something about 90% of couples with special needs children do at some point divorce. It's so stressful. So if you have the right support system and the right professional that
0: understands, it's going to be a better experience, I promise oh and it makes all the difference in the world and the work that you're doing is just impacting people so you're you're helping people recover their lives recover their themselves and their lives and in the midst of something that is heartbreaking and devastating and that they would have never thought or never wished upon themselves or would wish it upon anyone else it's i mean nobody like you said nobody starts out um, you know, ever thinking that that would happen to them or with any kind of intention that it would. And and most of us will do anything to avoid it. Um, yeah, it's just so painful. True. It's so painful on so many levels.
1: Yeah, just everybody, if if you take only one takeaway from this. That's what I was going to ask. That was, I'm not, I was,
0: oh, there you go. I was going to ask you if to. You to, to take one little tiny, tiny
1: thing is, is always know that, It isn't a matter of talking about these things because you want it to happen, right? It's a matter of educating yourself and also understanding that you shouldn't be the person that thinks that can never happen to me, right? We never say never. And that's true with anything in life, right? Um, Bankruptcy, cancer of course, death, I could, there's a lot of horrible things in life. Talking about it actually allows you to uh, assimilate and digest and absorb the reality of some of the difficult things in life that are real and understanding them. Uh, it doesn't mean, oh, what is that? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know, like <sighs> You no, know, like if, if not that we want to run
0: around and just talk about you know bankruptcy, bankruptcy, divorce, divorce. Right? No, of course not. But denying it inside is what creates disease in our body. It not only creates anxiety, it creates stress, it creates sleeplessness, it creates. Um, Any time we're in denial of about a truth inside of us, something that we're not dealing with, that is when our body goes into disease and distress, and so. It is going to come out one way or another, or it's going to come out in unhealthy patterns of behavior, um, acting out sideways, um, punishing yourself, self-sabotage. And we see that every day. And, and so it's denying it is not doing, it's not serving anyone. It is not protecting anybody. It is not doing anything for anybody. And you're exactly right. The judgments that we make, well, first of all, the making the assumptions that it can't happen to us, but then the judgments that we make about it are devastating and damaging. And so it's the judgments that, that hurt us so much, you know, what does, and so, and that's where dealing with the mindsets and the heart issues around it and all of the, stories that we put the scripts that we that we create around every aspect of it that if we don't really get some perspective on that and and help someone work help us work through that we we can get into a really really awful place it um, is and extremely
1: common for yeah. me to see um yeah people um come to me and out of the blue, they'll share that they either have an ulcer or some sort of ailment, a skin rash, Hashimoto's, um, autoimmune. I could keep going with, you know, medical conditions and you probably don't want to hear all of them. But and 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 it's normally a holding on a container of an internal um. Tightening, where they're feeling this sense of like, you know, I can't speak. Um, I used to have tinnitus, well, I still do. A TMJ, I had a, a resorption in a tooth. Uh, my tonsils, um, my uh, tonsils had to be taken out. Uh, you name it, everything from here to here, because I did what. I wore duct tape and I was not allowed to speak my truth. And it manifested in my ears and my nose and throat. Here I am many years later. Um, and and I, I've realized, wow, I used to get canker sores, you name it. Like I, if there's a list of things that can happen from here to here. Absolutely. Like, I got it because I just wasn't allowed to speak. Yes. Or I was afraid to speak. Right. Both. Yeah
0: absolutely and then you know with your uh your symptoms absolutely and 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 a a number of different things high blood pressure you know i mean uh, diabetes the whole the the thyroid adrenal the the whole gamut and it's all because we're denying something inside of ourselves and we're not not taking care of ourselves in the way that we we're not being congruent we're not living congruently and um and so that's a Um, that's a really important thing to, to, um, to recognize and begin to change. So one thing you want to leave us with, I know you just said the one thing, but is there anything else that you just feel (laughs) led to just encourage Um, and, you know, encourage people with, um, you know, anything that you just want people, that person who's out there struggling right now with that inner turmoil and that conflict, or they're in the midst of the, you know the um having to make that decision and and having those hard conversations and what what do you want what do you want them to know i want them to know that they're not alone
1: and to not suffer in silence i would be honored to speak to you meet you at a coffee shop a park and just listen and help guide help you really know what can and should be done to soothe your soul and find you the right team of experts to prioritize doing all you can to save the marriage, understanding what can be done. And if one or both of the parties has made that decision, like, this is so painful that I don't know then, and really knowing that it's impossible to do this alone and not make a mistake. So be careful. You're not alone. Again, remember 43% increase in divorce. You're not broken. Uh, You are not a bad person. You've not done anything wrong. You're not a... Um, you know, I, I, you know, with a little bit of the Boston sarcasm in me, we will say, "Get to the back of the line, join the club." You know, like there's a lot of us in the divorce club and uh, and the remarriage club. So, it it is, um, it's a hard thing to go through. I would not wish it on anyone. I don't, I, I don't ever want to have to, you know, go through it again. And I'm far so good, you know, but Marin never think it won't happen to you. It is not something I I, uh, wish on anyone. It is tough going, but it does get easier. It is beautiful on the other side, the lightness, the peace, the freedom, that sense of pride uh, that you have, that you stood up for yourself, that you spoke your mind, that you really understand yourself. And if divorce will teach you anything, it's getting your finances and your life in order. You, if you are in the dark, change that. Make sure that you are in the know of everything. Every piece of paper, every penny, Uh, know your, it's your life. Take ownership of it. Take responsibility of it. Don't let someone else just take care of it for you. Do it together and and catch it early so that you are really taking the steering wheel, you know, and holding it and setting the course moving forward. You want to be in the car together. Take turns. Who's holding the steering wheel? But you don't want to be in the dark. You've got to be knowledgeable and aware of every aspect
0: of your marriage. It's a responsibility, but one that's well worth it. That's right, uh, and 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 it's a learning. You know, nobody has it all figured out. Nobody knows. We don't. It doesn't come with a with a playbook. That's for sure. So I know that sounds so cliche, but it's so true. And so all of us have to work on at relationships, and all of us are growing all of our lives in every moment in in how to have healthy, productive, fulfilling relationships. And so you're definitely not alone in that. So thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom and your heart. Um You, you obviously are so, you're so great at this and you are, um, and you're passionate about it and you're really making a difference in the world. And we're going to, make sure that we include your book and your website and all the information for people to contact you on the show notes. So that will be there. So you guys, if you want to contact Paulette, then you, um, you can find that in the show notes and, um, and don't hesitate to do that, but reach out because you are not alone and this is not something that you need to walk out, um, by yourself because it wasn't There's nothing in our lives that we were meant to walk out by ourselves and that's the beauty of, um, you know, of having each other and having community and professionals who have been through it and who are on the other side, um, who can can step right in there and walk through the trenches with you so um, we can get through that messy middle. Um, well, thanks so much, Paulette. I really, really appreciate you you sharing with us today. And you guys, um, I I am grateful for you listening in, listening in. If this has impacted you, I hope that you'll share it with a friend or a loved one and that you will not deny the truth anymore inside and continue to let your voice get stolen because that is just, um, It's just the enemy taking, you know, your magic and your brilliance away from who he created, for who God created you to be. And, um, and we won't have that anymore because you are a powerful divine warrior and you were made to thrive, not struggle, strive and survive in this life. So I want to remind you of that as always, and we will see you right back here on the next episode of the Warrior Arise podcast. Thanks guys. Thanks for joining me today on the Warrior Arise podcast. I hope you were inspired and empowered to live and lead bravely, freely, and authentically you. I look forward to our next episode together, and I invite you to subscribe to be notified of new episodes as they are released. If this podcast impacted you, share it with a friend or a loved one. Also, please write a review on iTunes.